welcome to episode 10 of Motion and Meaning, a little podcast about motion for digital designers. I'm Kenneth Bowles. And I'm Val Head. In our last episode, we were talking about workflow and uh, kind of going through some questions and answers that we've gotten about how to fit motion in your design process. In this episode, which happens to be the last in this first series of episodes, we're going to be talking about solving particular design problems through motion. Kind of like troubleshooting, here's what went wrong and how you can fix it. We touched on a lot of these things before in previous episodes, but never all at the same time. And we haven't tied them back to the original scenarios of when they'd be useful. So we thought that would be a good way to end this first series. I think that's probably um, kind of an important thing, isn't it? Because, you know, mm. we, we talked about choreography. We talked about a lot of these kind of tactical things, but they all stem from a design challenge yeah. and a problem. So I think what we're trying to do here is alert you to a situation where motion, motion may be useful so that you kind of do a bit of pattern matching and go, oh, wait, no, I heard about this. Mm-hmm. Val and Kenneth were talking about <laughs> it. Here's something that motion could maybe help with. And then we can tie into some of the things that we've talked about th- throughout the series yeah. or that we talk about in this particular episode. Definitely, because there's there's so much it can help with, but without being able to identify those places, you're just kind of it's kind of this parallel thing where you're like, "Hey, motion would be great, but I'm designing this thing over here, and how do I connect them?" So right. hopefully, we can help with that. And particularly, I suppose you know because sometimes it's hard to to get started with motion because mm-hmm. again, you know, we talked about this in previous episodes as well that sometimes it's seen as an add on. If you can, if we can help you to recognize that it can be a a viable solution to some significant design problems, then that gives you, you know, almost the excuse, if you like, yeah. um, to get started with it and say, oh, actually, I know how we can fix this. Mm-hmm. We need some motion here. Yeah, if it's addressing a problem, it can no longer be just the icing or sprinkles on the ice cream. So, right, yes. exactly that. Um, well, so I'll kick off with the with the first one then, yeah. um, which is the problem that I'm sure pretty much anyone has had if you're working on a complex product mm-hmm. is that. If it's big, if there are lots of screens, users can get disorientated. They can get lost, mm-hmm. um, just kind of not really knowing where they are within the structure of that space. So, uh, And that also means that it's hard to move between. So people kind of lose their, their anchoring, their positioning, but then also their familiarity with where they can go uh, from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, motion can help a lot here. Really, it's around improving orientation. Yep. Um, again, we've talked a little bit throughout the series of this idea of helping to uh, signify and, and to make concrete where you are within this larger space of a product. Um, and I think central to that is is to help show where things are and where they can be found again, particularly mm-hmm. through motion when they're moving on and, and, and off screen, right? Yeah, yeah. And when things are, you know, we mentioned it in previous episodes too, of the idea of you know, we're dealing with a lot of smaller screens and a lot of complex things. So we layer a lot of elements behind other layers or off screen or, you know, just in this various mm. kind of 3D depth. And motion is a great way to help people um, get oriented to where things are, what's behind what, what's in front of what. Um, mm. You know, there's that whole spatial metaphor there. Right. And I think one thing that works for me here that, 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 that seems sort of central for me is sometimes users get lost when they kind of navigate into a product, mm-hmm. you know, you tend not to get lost, you know, on the, on the very first screen you see. It's once you've gone <laughs> a couple deep or you've tapped around a bit, then how do you retrace those steps? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the idea of at least considering whether your motion should be reversible. Yeah. So, you know, if something's flown off to, say, the, the, the top and the right, is it going to come back from that direction? Or if I've, if I've swiped something away in a particular direction, will I be able to swipe from the screen edge, for instance, to bring it back and so on? Because that's, you're, you're, you're kind of, using what the user has already learned 
um, and just extending it and saying, okay, well, clearly it's just reversing, it's just mm-hmm. flipping that, which makes it fairly guessable. It makes it relatively deducible. Yeah, if you have like a system that you're using or just a, a specific set of rules that you really stick with as how things move in and out, it could just kind of become a natural like just attempt. Like, oh, I'll try the reverse of that. And if yeah. it works, hey, you just made something really easy to use. Absolutely, because, you know, discoverability is is not this kind of binary thing, mm-hmm. you, know, and, you know, we hear about discoverability a lot, again, particularly on small screen, because you can't have visible UI for a lot of this stuff. Discoverability isn't just about, oh, can I see some visual, you know, some perceived affordance on screen? It's also, can I discover functionality through a bit of exploration, through a bit of play? Mm-hmm. And I think motion can, it can help to signal what's happening just you know little little nudges and tweaks and things popping into view and so on but also you can discover just by going i wonder if and <laughs> yeah. reversing the, de- the gesture that you just used and lo and behold because you have that spatial metaphor because you've thought about the motion that you're trying to use lo and behold hopefully it works yeah yeah and, and those kind of things just make it a little bit um i guess i don't know that when you find that stuff as someone using a product you're just like wow i figured it out that just like you know it's kind of like a little magical moment yeah yeah, exactly. I mean, as so long as it's not like core functionality for that, you probably need like, you know, a button yeah. or something like that. You don't want to, re- you know, rely on a gesture. I, I, I sent a tweet a while back, you know, never sent a gesture to do a button's work, um, which which was fairly popular. I could see why. That's a good tweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was proud of it. Mm. But, you know, for, for some things, it would it will work absolutely fine to have that. You know, you, there simply isn't enough space on a, on a phone screen to put every single uh, button you need. Uh, yeah. Not that that would be a good thing, even if you could. <laughs> More buttons. That's what I got out of that point. Mm. Um, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so our second problem is uh, about when things feel slower, disjointed, uh, or even just when you kind of get to a point where maybe it's difficult to tell what's going on or if an action has actually, you know, if someone did mm. press a button or click a button, did anything happen? Um, sometimes there's that that delay in feedback that, you know, maybe you have to contact a server, get more information, or there's a place where the action itself requires some waiting, and it's probably good if we help people not get confused by that or wonder what's going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think maybe there's a performance angle here as well. Oh, definitely. There's definitely a perceived performance angle um, of just like when things take a while to happen, it, it's kind of a good match, right? Like animation takes time. It's kind of part of its definition. And mm-hmm. sometimes using an interface takes time. So if you can put animation in those places where time was going to be, you know, there was going to be waiting anyways, you can make it seem shorter. It'll be perceivably yes. shorter because something is happening, even though you maybe didn't make your server call any faster. Yeah. I know there are studies talking about how, um, you know, the perception of uh, delay in interfaces mm-hmm. can be affected by the the design and the motion of progress bars, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just came from uh, a conference in Prague called Web Expo, and I saw a talk from uh, Andy Hume, who's my my former colleague at both Clearleft and Twitter, uh, and he was talking a lot about performance and so on, and you know breaking it down very much into essentially all the different things that can go wrong, all the different <laughs> points of failure. Yeah, you know, DNS lookups, redirects. <laughs> um, you know, your sort of your, your your waterfall charts of your JavaScript and your core functionality and all this sort of stuff. That sounds like a scary talk. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's a great talk. I mean, you, yeah. um, I'll, I'll see if they put it up, and if it is mm. uh, up already, I'll pop, pop it in the show notes. Um, but you know, it made me think. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there is a lot of delay in mm-hmm. interfaces now. With something like a DNS lookup and a redirect, you're not going to be able to have like a single 
piece of motion, obviously, because each time it'll go to a new a new page and, and kind of refresh that. But for instance, with inside an app or something like that, if you have lots of kind of bouncing around, getting different data sets and mm-hmm. so on, sure, that stuff's going to add up, particularly on a on a lower or less reliable connection. So it makes it even more important, I think, if you're designing uh, an app to be used across all sorts of bandwidth con- uh, constraints and so on, you'd better make sure you have good ways to communicate what's happening in the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, motion can be a really helpful way to do that. Yeah, and, and a lot of the time it's not just even you know spinners or loading bars. Whenever possible, I think it's more helpful to do something a little bit more informative. Um, I know mm. they've done some studies that like skeleton content and even kind of like fading things in is feels mm. faster than just watching a spinner. Um, which makes sense because you're like, this thing is spinning and you're like, well, it's just spinning. What's happening? But something kind of fading in or I've even seen some loaders that kind of say things like, hey, now fetching this, now doing that. Mm. I'm not sure if they're 100% accurate, but they feel like you're like, okay, something is happening. I'm convinced. Um, I also read something actually, um, I'm pretty sure it was in the Seductive UI book. I'm going into the past to read uh, recently and they were talking about how long the cycle of the loader is affects how long people think it takes. So if like hmm. you're waiting for a second and the cycle of the loader takes half a second, it only repeated twice. So it feels hmm. faster than something that might have like a tenth of a second, you know, sequence and then it repeats many, many times, um, hmm. which I thought was really interesting. I'm like, that's a study I would like to read more about because are we really counting that in our heads? How many times this loader is repeating or just like subconsciously? So... What you said there, there are two things that um, I'm reminded of. The first is uh, Facebook and iOS has these mm-hmm. placeholder um, sort of pseudo content. And there's yeah. a little bit of motion along those because they, they sort of have a little pulse along the line. Yeah, there's they, a little gradient flowing of, through that just kind yeah. of is like softly, I don't know, it's like waves. Your, your content is coming through the ocean of data. I don't know. <laughs> it's actually quite, it's quite nicely done though. I think about yeah. it. I've never really kind of deconstructed it. But, you know, it's it's saying, hey, content's on the way. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. This is this is the kind of what you should expect here. But it's also then combining that with the like kind of progress uh, signification, which is really nice. Yeah, it's like a bunch of tiny progress bars. <laughs> yeah. And the second thing I was reminded of just kind of tangentially was when you're talking about saying, you know, interfaces that say, now loading this, now mm-hmm. loading this, was SimCity 2000, oh. which I don't know if you ever played. No. Um, you know, it's generating these landscapes. And this was back in the day when there wasn't that much processing power. Um, and so it came up with all these these things, you know, like aligning grids and you know, or whatever it was. And then it just got stupider and stupider. And it had like reticulating splines was this <laughs> was this phrase. And I'm sure it's kind of a, a, a bit of an Internet meme, to be honest. Um, yeah. So uh, you can take that too far. You can definitely take it in the kind of ridiculous direction. Yeah. You could have fun with loading. That's that's a crazy idea. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um, I guess when the feedback too can also be um, not even necessarily that waiting area and loaders, but even just that an action has been taken and it's been recognized. Yeah. Like um, there's a lot, we do a lot of like reordering things, moving things into different buckets. You know, when you, when you take action on some item, like if you're, you know, you've, I don't know, if you have a list of orders and you fulfilled an order and it used to be a pending order and now it's a fulfilled order, you can use motion to give that feedback as well. Like watch it move to, um, you know, filled orders or watch it appear or have it appear in fulfilled orders or disappear, mm. you know, reinforce that action that you did, you could accomplish something. Um, and those obviously are a lot shorter and smaller, um, probably more subtle than like a loading feedback animation, but the, it's really useful as well there. Um, just to let people know, like the thing they were doing got done yeah. and they feel more like they had an effect on the content and what they were trying to do. Um, yeah. and it makes it harder for them to miss that it worked too, which, you know, we don't always pay attention to this stuff. <laughs> no, you're right. It's it's important though, isn't it? I'm reminded here of um, 
some of the work Dan Saff has done around the idea of micro interactions, mm-hmm. essentially just kind of closing those little feedback loops so that there is no doubt in the user's mind that the system is responsive and yeah. I didn't do the wrong thing and it's fine, it's in hand. Even if, um, you know, there's a bit of a gap before I move to the next screen or the basket or whatever it is, it, whatever it is, it's just like, you know, it's telling you, all right, that thing has been done. There may be something happening as well in the background, but rest assured we're on the case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those little, those little loops are important. I've totally forgot about micro interactions. I didn't even read it that long ago, but it's a great book mm. for this stuff. Um, though he doesn't, he, he's not super pro motion about stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he actually said something mean about motion in the beginning. I don't know about that. Oh, right. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> um, but he, he does bring it up occasionally and it's true, those little tiny, like looking for those little tiny feedback loops, like not this giant thing of we're waiting for the server, but just like mm. a thing happened, we're listening to you, things are progressing in some way, you're getting things done, you accomplished what you needed to. Um, those little things are super important. Like they add up in the end. Mm. Absolutely. Um, let's move on to another problem, yeah. uh, which is, is really about if it's if you have a screen where there's maybe unclear priority or it's unclear exactly what you're meant to interact with now this this happens a lot a lot of the time you'll have a visual solution to that i mean that that flags that you know you need to clarify the information architecture of the page mm-hmm, or the mm-hmm. the visual priority of certain elements and so on but again you can also use motion here sort of you've got another string to your bow if you like another mm-hmm. way of tackling this problem which is to use motion to di- direct attention now, we see this probably most clearly, probably in, in a fairly negative way, which is uh, banner ads <laughs> yes. and, you know, flashy, un- unpleasant advertisements. Obviously, ads are very much uh, a hot topic at the moment. Uh, oh, right, right. Yeah, we've been um, using this. We've been using this this quality of motion for evil for so long on the Internet. Right. <laughs> Assuming banner ads are evil. I don't know if they really qualify <clears throat> well, that badly. I, I think certainly ones that use motion to artificially distract, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and, you know, grab attention from the, from the article. I, I have fewer ethical qualms about blocking those particular ones than I do any others. No, that's true. Um, but we can certainly try and spin that, use that power for, for good mm-hmm. as well. Um, obviously, things that move, you know, they, they sort of sit at the top of the hierarchy stack, really. You know, they yeah. grab attention. I think it's I think it's actually sort of a precognitive thing. Like, we don't even think about it. It's just our eye is just sort of, you know, physically sort of evolutionarily drawn to something, you know, or better look at this because it might be a tiger or something, you know. Yeah, <laughs> apparently because of that, it's especially in our peripheral vision, which is what makes banner ads even more evil because they're just off to the side of what you're trying to read. And apparently that's where that has the most effect on us, those jerks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about spinning that for a positive uh, advantage, like I say. So to help call attention to the most important content. Mm -hmm. If for whatever reason you can't resolve that tension visually, um, then motion might be a good way uh, to to tackle that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, either a little kind of like a pulsing animation Mm -hmm. or your classic kind of, you know, bouncing arrow or, you know, whatever it is. Um, or changes that otherwise might be missed as well. If there's a state change, Mm -hmm. for instance, maybe not one that the user himself has done. but I don't know, a, a new item appearing or I don't know, let's say, say you've got a game and you've just earned a new coin or a new something like that. So you yeah. can play again. New messages showing up. Right. Yeah. yeah, totally. Something like that. That's kind of it's it's not sort of fully, um, you know, it's not a mode the users need to sort of go in and look at. It's mm-hmm. just here you go. Here's something else. Then obviously motion can help draw attention to what's happened on that screen. Yeah, and, and like you're saying, it doesn't need to be the only thing. Like, obviously, if there's if there's some huge thing that everyone is missing, it's probably a bigger design problem than just animate it. Yeah. But if you use, you know, other design tools and create really good hierarchy and use color to make it stand out, and then also, in addition, use motion to make it stand out, 
you know, if you kind of have three little things all working towards making this item stand out, then there's a better chance it's going to get caught, whether it's someone, mm. you know, you have the motion for people that don't see the color or you, know, you can layer these on top. It doesn't just have to be one thing that's doing mm. all the work. Uh, and it's probably more effective, at least in this case, if it's not just one thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, you're using essentially the principle of redundancy there, aren't you? Which is, you know, to say, well, if you have three things that try to suggest the same <laughs> the same use or the same message, then hopefully at least one of them is going to stick. Yeah, maybe one or know? two of them will work. <laughs> right. <laughs> at least one, hopefully. Yeah, redundancy is a better way to, to say that. But yeah, uh, but yeah there's, there's, there's more to it than just animating things that people can't see or don't yeah. notice. Yeah, for sure. No more banner ads. Let's let's ban those or something. I don't know. Uh, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> um, so another problem is uh, when you end up with a really complex flow to communicate, maybe a complex set of steps, just a complex user flow that people have to get through to accomplish what they need to get done, mm. um, which is something that happens, I think, a lot in, in more complex products and things, probably not so much websites, unless you have a crazy long form, I guess. Uh, mm. And motion can be a really good way to help guide people through those tasks, um, to do things like helping them see what the next step is, showing them where they are in the entire, like, you know, the linear process they're going through, where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, even things like making, um, like depending on how you set it up, but even like things like making buttons not available until they really can be activated. So you don't find yourself like trying to click a button that's not available yet, you know, things like that. Mm. Um, helping to use motion to guide people through the task in such a way that they're guided towards doing it, you know, kind of seamlessly or correctly. Um, not that them clicking a button they shouldn't or that doesn't work yet is them making a mistake necessarily. That's probably more you making a mistake. <laughs> but, you know, guiding them through the, 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 um, the most efficient way to get through the tasks and whatever, mm. you know, kind of having them focus on one thing at a time and, and leading them to the next task or the next step in the task. Interesting. I, you know, I, I, I totally see what you're saying about maybe it's it's – you know, less common on websites, but I do think, you mm-hmm. know, if you have a small screen device, not that that's necessarily an app, mm-hmm. but um, let's say I have a mobile app on a, on a relatively small screen, they tend to be broken down in a much more kind of linear way. Oh, like that's you true. You fill in this screen, you yeah. tap this button, it's pretty obvious what's next. But if you have a wider viewport, you know, mm-hmm. be that a large tablet or be it a desktop computer or whatever it is, maybe you have more information on screen and therefore maybe there's more more need of that hand-holding mm-hmm. because it's not artificially broken down yeah. in the same way. It has to be on a small screen. Again, I think of games here a lot. And mm-hmm. I think of tutorials. Onboarding as well, I guess. Yeah, onboarding. You know, I mean, I wouldn't suggest you use this for the, the kind of really bad... Um, you know, welcome, welcome to App X. You know, <laughs> and then pulse this thing at the top. This is your inventory. This is where you put it, yeah. you know, and then pulse something else. You know, it's, it's just as bad as those coach marks where it's, yeah. you know, the the arrows and the kind of scribbly hand drawn sort of looking <laughs> writings like tap here to open. You know, that's, that's <laughs> so you not really great. like those? You you're a fan of that approach? Um, I, <laughs> I think they're um unsophisticated, shall mm. we say? <laughs> I think there are probably better ways to do it. Um, <laughs> but you know, using motion at least. Uh, to help draw people through the interface at the right time mm-hmm. yeah. where it's where it's maybe supplementary to their activity or let's say they've i don't know let's again coming back to a game they've learned how to fire the weapon and now you want to say all right we've now given you some grenades here's mm-hmm. how you use grenades that's when you might use that kind of attention direction we talked about before yeah the grenade indicator flashes to five suddenly it's like oh now this is a new thing that's available to me i better investigate how it works yeah it's kind of off it's it is about offering the information at the right time it's kind of more of a timing thing than mm. um of when they most need it or when it's most going to be useful and it can help get people through or find things they might not have otherwise found 
So it's yeah. definitely definitely good for that kind of for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think I've I've heard it called like the inductive UI. You know, it mm. sort of draws you through yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good, um, good name. You for know it. that that kind of progressive disclosure of functionality and mm-hmm. so on. Again, consider how motion can help you through that. So you don't have to just cram everything on screen, or you don't have to artificially separate your product into all these kind of different steps. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's definitely I think similar to the um, directing attention one, where you probably don't want motion to be the only thing doing that. Mm. Uh, it, it's probably something that does need redundancy, especially if, you know, it's something you really need to get done or that is critical to using, the, you know, the app or the game or the site. You might want mm. to do it in more than one way. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. <laughs> that probably goes for most of these, actually, I think. Uh, a little redundancy doesn't hurt. <laughs> it, it probably goes for motion generally, yeah. I think, to be honest. I mean, you know, it's, it's like all these things. Never use one thing, you know, one treatment alone mm-hmm. to to suggest priorities like you know the old thing of don't just make it red make it big um don't just make it big and red make it flash as well or make it pulse or something like that and then yeah definitely people are going to notice it right it sounds like something i've seen in a banner (laughs) (laughs) well anyways moving on to the next problem um i just i wanted to talk about this one because we've we've not talked about the idea of appeal that much throughout the series we've much more been focusing i think on it almost an attempt to sort of legitimize motion and Mm -hmm. take it away from from some of the more shallow um applications of it but you know if you have an application that feels just kind of flat static kind of drab um a lot of ios apps were in you know back in the the, Mm -hmm. the good old days because the human interface guidelines uh suggested very much kind of a page-to-page model and now, you know, if you want to bring more of that vitality, more of that appeal and, and just, you know, user enjoyment to the product, then absolutely motion is something you you could you could look at there. You know, it's all these things that are talked about, about a bit of delight, a bit of kind of curious, huh, I never expected that to mm-hmm. happen. Like I say, we pretty much downplayed them, I think, through the series. But let's be honest, that is an important aspect of, you know, designing good products. And clearly motion can help you achieve that. Yeah, yeah, it definitely can. And I think the... The thing that I gets like to surprise and delight a bad name is that often people assume that you can take something that's really boring and, you know, otherwise very drab and just like throw motion on it and that will fix yeah. everything. But it kind of has to be, you know, like it, there has to be a little bit more than that to get real delight. It can't be something that only animation or motion takes care of. Um, you know, it has to be part of, it has to fit with like the design. There has to be something enjoyable about it that you're emphasizing versus mm. just like, oh, this sucks. It's, I don't know some really boring banking spreadsheet app thing. Let's make it spin. Like that's never going to work. <laughs> Don't do that. That was the worst idea ever. Um, <laughs> but there is, there is a lot that it can do in that sense and having those bits of surprise and even just showing a personality that's different than, you know, the next app or a similar app. Motion can do a lot for that in, in conveying that personality. Yeah. I think it's important what you say, you know, to have, at least sort of, you know, enjoyable functionality or enjoyable content. Don't just have a sort of spinning <laughs> headline. You know, we see it in so many apps and you sign up for something that says, congratulations, you have signed up for our e- email newsletter. Yeah. And like, uh-huh. you're kind of, you're overstating it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> how much how much this is an enjoyable experience. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Motion would have to deliver something that's not just a congratulations message or just kind of a, you know, a bare piece of functionality. That's not going to be enjo- enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But if it's, you know, a, a wonderful piece of motion to introduce a little surprise. Like actually, there's there's free shipping on this order or something. Yeah. Go, oh, I didn't expect that. That's that's even nicer than if it just told me. You know. It's yeah. Because like, wow. free shipping is something that's actually good. So. Right. Right. Exactly that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the the delight thing. I think is is tough to do really well. 
Um, but when you see it done really well, it's, it's just, it's like the best thing ever. You know, it's, yeah. it's delightful. Oh, geez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So that's five problems that motion can help solve five design problems that motion can help give you an answer to probably not all of the things I'm sure we could go on basically all day with other things motion could do as well. But I think those are five of the more important ones or more, um, more effective ways to use motion when you have, when you run into these kinds of things. Yeah, um, exactly. So next up, we have what we're reading, which this week is a really short list. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the Seductive yeah. Interactions book or whatever. Is it Seductive UI or Seductive Interactions? I can't remember. I think it's Seductive but it's UI. it's Stephen Anderson's book, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, mm. and it's, it's kind of old. That's what I've been reading the last few days. Um, I just never read it when it first came out. I guess maybe it's not mm. that old, but it's a few years old. Um, and it's really kind of interesting to read it now, even though some of the examples are a bit out of date. Uh, a lot of it is talking about... Um, you know, the psychology of why we find design things interesting or attractive. Um, and go, he goes into a lot of detail on the whole idea of like good design is good business, like, or um, mm. rather why things that are designed well feel like they work better or seem to perform better. Ah, uh, I see. Which I think is really interesting because I've never really, you know, I've, I've heard that mentioned and referenced, but I've never really read into why that works. And um, it's it's really interesting stuff, and it's still pretty relevant, even though a lot of the screenshots you're like, oh, that site doesn't look like that anymore. And and he totally talks about you in it. <laughs> oh, that's the <laughs> in like the second or third chapter, nice he references a blog post you wrote, and I thought that was oh, kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, bless. Oh, thank you, Stephen. That's very nice. <laughs> um, yeah, the the aesthetic usability effect, I think it's sometimes called, isn't it? Yeah. That idea that things that look easy to use end up being easy to use. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Don Norman has spoken about that a bit yeah. as well. And he gets referenced design, a lot in this Yeah, in this emotional book design, his book, um, talks about that kind of stuff a lot. And, you know, essentially that kind of hits at the heart of a lot of the stuff we've been saying about motion yeah. all, all along is if something looks easier and more coherent, more sensible, more understandable because of motion, then guess what? The, you know, it actually will be, you'll find users will be able to a- achieve their goals. They'll be able to perform all the wonderful things that you want them to do for you to be a success as well. So it's, it's nice to kind of tie those ends together, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that it has so much relevance to what we've been talking about, even though it barely mentions motion specifically at all. So yeah. it's kind of like, oh, hey, that's a nice little tie-in I wasn't expecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very nice. Um, for me now, I, I remember in uh, the end of episode nine, I said um, many apologies that I hadn't read any articles and I was going to make sure. <laughs> well, I've been traveling again. Um, I will say I was just um, just at um, Web Expo and I mm-hmm. saw, um, I, well, I didn't see the talk, unfortunately, um, but Marie Schweitz was talking about animating interfaces. And I think there was another animation talk there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully those have been published by now and I'll try and dig them out yeah. uh, and pop them in the show notes as well. Like I said, I, did, I didn't see them, so I can't vouch for them, but um, I'm sure they're terrific from, from what I've heard on Twitter. So I think they'll they'll hopefully be valuable and maybe they'll get me a little bit off the hook for not having <laughs> more um, URLs to recommend. I have also started dipping into um, some Framer Workshop videos. Oh. Um, that were done at us too, so an agency in London. They also, it's also the agency that did Monument Valley, mm-hmm. um, and they had I can't remember who it was. I think it was one of the Framer folks in. Uh, and there's a little playlist of of sort of one hour YouTube videos. Oh, nice. Uh, so you know, we mentioned Framer a couple of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. If that's kind of put the hook in you, this is going to be a good place to get started, um, just to understand the basics of Framer and how you might be able to use that for prototyping motion as well. So um, I'll pop that playlist URL in. Yeah. Um, in the in the show notes as well so feel free to dip into those too so it sounds like if they're an hour long they're fairly in depth i know they have some pretty short tutorials on their site but these might be um more detailed than those 
Yeah, I think it, you know it's going into it's going into relative detail. I mean, it's a tool you need to put some time into mm-hmm. to learn. It's it's nowhere near as uh, you know shallow a learning curve as something like Keynote. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you have to put in effort. Um, but the flexibility that it offers at the other end, I think, once you've you've picked up the basics, you see exactly the scope of what it can do. Mm-hmm. And it's worth that investment for sure. Yeah, it's definitely something I know I need to invest a little more time in. I've been kind of just uh, surface value getting into a lot of these prototyping apps. I'm like, I just need mm-hmm. to, I need to really actually commit to one and learn it really well. <laughs> well, I have the YouTube playlist for you. <laughs> yes, that's going to be the one. <laughs> Great. All right, folks. Um, so this has been our last episode of the uh, of the series. Um, we hope it's been useful. Uh, we don't know yet if there's going to be a second series or not. We're going to take a break and sort mm-hmm. of ponder and all this sort of <laughs> all this sort of stuff. Um, in the meantime, while we're on that break, um, please do say hi on on Twitter. Um, Value at VLH, yes, correct? That's me. Yeah. And I'm at Kenneth, C-E-N-N-Y-D-D. Um, we'd be very happy to answer any questions you have about motion and just generally kind of chat more about the topics so um definitely up to talk about this stuff pretty much all the time <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely so i hope you've had fun with us on the uh, on the first series of, of motion and meaning yeah and uh, we hope to chat with you soon you've been listening to episode 10 of motion and meaning with val head and kenneth bowles you can find out more about the show at motionandmeaning.io and we'd love to hear your feedback via twitter at motion meaning We're also now in iTunes. If you're enjoying the show, please give us a rating or a review in iTunes so more people can find out about the podcast. See you again soon.